0: The aim of the book is to transform reactive players into proactive tacticians. I focus on breaking down complex situations into straightforward, effective strategies for those high-pressure moments in a match. So why not grab your copy now and step onto the court next time with a clear head and a set of strategies to win those matches you know you're capable of. Please enjoy the show.
1: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row?
0: Hello ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and welcome to another episode of the podcast series. Today I have on the show Gina Kennedy. Gina has made history quite recently becoming the first ever English woman to win the gold at the 2022 Commonwealth Games in Birmingham with a phenomenal week of squash and playing at the highest level. We unpack her preparation for the event and what she did to stay so focused and in the zone during it when the pressure was at its highest. We had a really insightful and deep chat into all things mental and mindset, and she really opens up and gives some fantastic tips and tools for everyone to learn and try out. She also recently completed a master's dissertation all about the placebo effect of wearable tech when it comes to training and mindset, and we talked about her view and perception of this. Some really interesting stuff here, and I think you will like what she has to say about it all. We also got down loads of rabbit holes, including pressure and how this has changed for her during her career learning under Mike Way at Harvard, learning to reframe mentally, how she handles nerves and pressure pre-match, how to try and achieve the flow state, the mentality around her fitness, fitness regimen, perfectionism, and the pros and cons of this mindset, and also the huge influence her coach Ben Ford has had on her life on and off the court. So I think you're in for a real treat and a real deep dive into the mind of one of the world's fastest rising stars, and she does not disappoint. I loved how open and honest she was in all she talks about, and just a humble, grounded, and very fun person to spend the best part of an hour with. So please enjoy my chat with Gina Kennedy. Gina Kennedy welcome to the next episode of the podcast series and listen thanks so much for taking your time today to talk to me I know it's a super busy time of your life mid-season stuff post commonwealth games tournaments coming thick and fast but but how are you keeping in general I, I know you said before we just started recording you you were suffering with a bit of sickness weren't you
3: yeah no thank you for having me on um I love listening to your uh to your podcast I'm really excited to be here um yeah it's been a pretty hectic uh couple months obviously um the commonwealth games fell right within off season so when a lot of players were getting in their like training blocks the uh people in the commonwealth countries were kind of you know continuing to grind through playing um playing in the commonwealth games which was obviously incredible um mm-hmm. you know definitely the best moment of my career so far um i'd you know prepared for that for so long and everything came together which is amazing um and after that obviously everything that came with it was incredible but um I think I went into a bit of like a I don't know like manic state kind of thing, like thinking I could do everything. Um I had to fly to New York, to do coaching and then I was like, Oh, season wow. starts again. Season starts again in a couple of weeks, like now's now's, you know, let's ride the wave, like let's continue to train. Um mm-hmm so i was i yeah unfortunately i got a bit of a stomach bug um and that kind of flared up some other health issues that i've had so um i think yeah my body was probably just in a bit of overdrive and i've been forced to take some time off so i'm ho- i'm feeling better now on the mens i'm hoping to play the us open next week but we'll
0: see yeah, good. yeah yeah good like i know by the time this goes out this will be after the u.s open but so we'll kind okay, of yeah, people listening sure. <laughs> yeah so so no one no yeah. one can kind of uh if, if anyone was planning how to beat you at the u.s open they have to listen afterwards in that sense um, and that, that that is actually a whole interesting topic and, and we might just touch on it at some point but um I've written quite a lot recently on this whole idea of deliberate rest. I think athletes are very good at deliberate practice and really putting the effort into all of their intentional practices and almost sometimes rest gets seen as a, as a bit of a a weakness. I I think you're, you're a very forward thinker and in the modern athlete, where does rest actually come into it for you then? And, And how deliberate and intentional is your rest within your, your training?
3: Yeah, do you know, that's a really interesting topic. And it's actually something that I've been researching, I've just completed a master's um, in health psychology. And my dissertation was all on wearable technology and kind of how that influences your mindset. Um, I can see you're wearing something now. So I got my
0: whoop, I got my whoop on there, I got my Apple watch on here.
3: (laughs) Yeah, nice. Um, Obviously, it's such a prominent part of like elite athletes training regimes these days. But it also can be quite detrimental in terms of We all know how important rest is, but it can be quite difficult, can't it? If you're seeing everyone training, you're like, oh, am I you know, like, am I doing the best for myself, mm. I personally make sure to have one full on rest day a week. Um, And that's just part of my routine. And I'm used to that. So I've kind of accepted it. But that's not to say some days when, you know, maybe my stats aren't as high, or I don't feel I've trained as much, I, it doesn't come with negative feelings such as guilt and everything. And I was even listening to a few podcasts from someone like Michael Phelps, who said, mm. he didn't take one rest day between the 2008 and 2012 Olympics. And it's like, you know you hear so many nuts. different things
2: mm. yeah
3: it's it's absolutely crazy and I think it's a, a bit a big pressure of being an elite athlete you know just constantly how do you make yourself one percent better each day like what can I do and you can get into a habit of you know doing too much and not allowing your body to kind of get those progressions um mm. so for me ever since I was young I've had that like mindset of one day a week needs to be a complete rest um but that's not to say on those days i'm not like antsy and like oh god what's everyone else doing today you know because some people don't take it some people will have an active rest day where they're going on like a 5k run or something yeah
0: and that's (laughs) Um, what i was that's what i was about to ask because i'm quite interested in that and again i think i'm guilty of it the the word i'm using a lot recently is is how we can disengage from that activity we're doing whether it's you're trying to whatever you know do your masters uh, play like the highest level squash. Yes, we can have the rest day, but how do we actually disengage? And that's why I like this idea of deliberate rest where, whether it is Mm -hmm. like a mindful walk or something like, you're not just going to dive into social media and look at other squash players, comparing your training to them. You know, do you, are you quite good at trying to get that balance? Do you disengage well?
3: Yeah, I try to like, I really like that term deliberate rest actually because that's exactly what it is, isn't it? Like there's a purpose to you sitting on the sofa all day and not doing anything kind of thing like it actually it's so important it's just as important as you know those times when you're grinding and training um Mm. but like I said it's hard for me I've I obviously like went to uni and then I went straight into doing a master's so I've always had something to do to take my mind off squash Mm -hmm. and that's not to say I've always enjoyed it you know there are times when I was doing my master's and I was like oh I really don't want to be doing this I just want to focus on squash but it is so helpful to have something else to do on those days where you're, you know, my training that day is how little can I exert myself. Yeah. Um, and you can I, like, for me personally, I'm so I get so antsy. I want to like get up and do something, do some like burpees or something. <laughs> um, so having like something else to focus on is really good. So now I've I literally submitted my dissertation last week, so I actually don't really. I'm feeling a bit lost at the moment, especially okay. when I've been ill yeah i don't really have anything to do so i'm going to i'm i'm not sure you're gonna have to um, find
0: something by the sounds of it eh? yeah
3: definitely could yeah be, could be interesting
0: <laughs> um cool i'm sure as we talk there might be some suggestions but there's a couple of little threads that i want to pull on um what's that? one of my favorite quotes comparison is the thief of joy i think that's really mm-hmm. cool for athletes like when you're comparing yourself and you're looking at other right that person's doing this is it's the thief of the moment it's the thief of yeah. running running your race isn't it and and I think very often what I'm trying to help some players with is right. Yes. You want to be the best player you can be, but ultimately you're running your own race, aren't you? And if you're in that comparison mindset, that is super unhealthy, isn't it? What do you think about that idea of comparison?
3: Oh, a hundred percent. I think it's, it's really difficult. Actually, bef- when I um was deciding whether to do my master's two years ago, I was speaking to my coach, Ben Ford. And obviously as part of the master's I'd have moved to Nottingham lived in um a squash house with lots of players which was great and I absolutely loved it and part of his concern was like you don't really want to see what your competitors are doing every day day in day out and you don't want them to kind of see what you're doing because like you said when you compare yourself to what other people are doing it It can make you feel so guilty. It can make you feel like, oh, I'm doing so much more than them. I'm going to improve more. You know, it's just, I just really don't like it. And that's one of the reasons why I don't personally uh, use Whoop, because I know there's like a squash group for Whoop, and you can compare how much you've done every day. And I, me personally, I, I don't really want to know because like you said it can take away from what you're doing and if you're focusing on you know oh that person's done three sessions today I've only done one like do I need to do whatever which is exactly why I wrote a dissertation on it to be honest I find it really interesting Mm. and
0: um well that that was that was the next thread I was going to pull on remind me of the title of the dissertation
3: um it was it was all about wearable technology and the basically whether there's a placebo effect so whether Mm. wearable technology changes changes your mindset um and what did you discover
0: what did you discover out of that
3: i discovered that yeah basically there is a massive placebo effect of wearable technology so if you wake up and your whoop is telling you you're not recovered today you're going to go approach that training session thinking oh my god i feel really tired whereas if you didn't view the data you wouldn't have that in your head already so it kind of like plants seeds mm. of doubt in your mind um,
2: That's awesome. which for some
3: people yeah for some people it's a positive thing and for some people it's a negative thing you know it depends mm. how you approach it but there's definitely like a placebo effect in the sense that it really affects mm. your mindset
0: <laughs> and and part of that journey of a dissertation like I think anyone that gets into masters, is something that you're really passionate about it's something you're interested in Um, so you going through that process uh, did it not change your mind did it reinforce some beliefs has it has it helped you shift certain things mentally based on what you researched
3: yeah definitely I think um I'm you know quite I like training I like kind of getting the most out of myself um and I've been I think wearable technology is so good especially whoop I think it's really important to like know your body and know when you need to stop and calm down and everything um but I also know that I like can fall into a trap of thinking oh my god like I'm in the green today like on my rest day you know that means my body's I'm going to get more out of training than I would if I didn't so mm-hmm. I I yeah I've learned that I think I'm going to stick to um you know what what I what I do and what That's I like awesome. and kind of yeah take just kind of trust my body more than this wearable technology, which is basically what the whole uh, dissertation stemmed down to. Like, what do you actually trust more? What do you place more value on?
0: I really Um, like that. And, and, and then during your dissertation, did, did you get, again, I'm just trying to paint a picture in my mind also for the listeners. Were you very much driven by the data at the start and then have transitioned a little bit away? Is that how your evolution went?
3: um what do you mean sorry so
0: like like um, before your dissertation were you like right you know you're looking at your your data you're looking at your whoop and you're 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 being driven by the data and then uh, by what I'm hearing you say you've transitioned a little bit away from that thinking
3: right yeah sorry yeah 100% yeah I was very data driven you know I'd look and see oh my heart rate was this I, I didn't work hard enough today in this session whatever but like I that's not you know your body you know how you feel you know I don't need my watch to tell me if i've done a hard session or not like i know when i'm pushing hard and i know when i'm taking it easy kind of thing so i love that um yeah no it's it's really interesting though because everyone has a different approach to it obviously yeah um
0: and again so, i think i think yeah again there's no there's no one right method as soon as someone says that i'm always red flags i'm going well no because we're all very complex people and humans exactly. and you know in different environments we are different people and we can wear different hats and stuff and it's 100%. so interesting when you and that's that's hopefully what i've discovered in the last few years of, of like yeah, you know, yeah. how how it's a continuum always isn't it so Oh, yeah, awesome! I love that. Sure. Well, at at some point, I'd love to read that dissertation if if it's if yeah. you're, you're kind of. I love that for stuff. Sure, as yeah, well. yeah. Nice. Okay. Um. Well, I think a, a good little transition is you've already mentioned. I've mentioned it. Um. Commonwealth Games, Birmingham. Uh, you said is one of the greatest things in your career it would be remiss if we didn't have a bit of a chat about it but we're going to go down some different rabbit holes as well um what i'm quite interested in is is maybe the mindset the mindset maybe leading up to the event and during the event where as everyone probably knows you made history right you made history the first british female to get that gold medal um really special i suppose what i'm trying to get at is how did you deal with the the pressure and the expectations surrounding this in the build-up and then during it any thoughts on that
3: yeah, um, it's yeah, it's funny. Like I said, I've been building up to this for so long. And um, I, I've said it in a few um, interviews, I'm probably like repeating it too much. But ever since I was a little girl, like I, I was I was an athlete when I was younger. And my dream was to be an Olympian, basically, and to win a gold medal and to stand on that podium. And obviously squash isn't in the Olympics, but the Commonwealth Games is the next best thing for us like that's our opportunity to kind of be on that podium um wear that medal around your neck so like the Commonwealth Games was huge for me um I really like I said it's been my dream since I was a little girl so the pressure going into it was a lot like I was constantly thinking about it for years you know right. like this is what I want to do this is my goal um and I remember a few maybe like a month or so before the games, we all went to Loughborough to like get our kit and to, uh, we had like media training and all that stuff. And I remember sitting in the room and the media people were telling us like, right, whatever happens after your match, whether you win or lose, you're going to be taken into uh, the media zone and you're going to be interviewed like straight away. You won't have time to hug your mum. You won't have time to think about the match, like win or lose you're just going to go and it freaked me out I remember turning around to Lucy Turmel and being like this is freaking me out so much because the thought of like losing yeah. and being so disappointed like it was just playing on my mind I was like I I it I was sitting in that room like oh my god I can't even think about this because oh. like I said I just but so bear, so that was how I was feeling like a month before. Just I couldn't even comprehend like, oh, my God, what if I lose and I have to get taken off?
0: How were you trying to rationalize that then? You've obviously having these thoughts and you can't necessarily stop the thoughts. But did you have like yeah. a reframing method? How did you try and kind of get yourself around that?
3: Yeah. So it was hard. I was like just suddenly feeling so anxious and I was like, Gina, what is going on? I didn't obviously, like I said, I've been aiming for it. But when they were talking about it, I really started to think this is actually going to happen like in a month's time you know what you've been building up for is
1: mm-hmm.
3: like like <laughs> it's gonna hit the fan kind of thing yep. so i remember i went back and like spoke to ben spoke to my mom and was like i don't know why but i'm just absolutely freaking out now um and talking about it was really helpful um you know i was trying to just say how am because i was talking to lucy termel as well and we she was saying oh my god like we're gonna go and we're representing team england like how amazing is that and i was like yeah i need to think about you know just being there is such an incredible achievement um because obviously two years ago i was still at harvard and Mm -hmm. was ranked 170 in the world with absolutely you know no one on england squash thought i would have been in the team in two years kind of thing so that's the way I kind of reframed it just thinking look you've done well to even be here um
0: so so expressing a bit of gratitude for that going actually let's zoom out let's like put it all on the table and actually this is phenomenal is that is that how you were trying to do it yeah
3: exactly like this Brilliant. is phenomenal we got the kit we put it on and i was just like i felt that yeah they were what you know that you you get to see the little montages of like Denise Lewis and all these famous athletes saying how incredible it is to be a part of team England and I was like right this is what it's about you know this is the spirit of the Commonwealth Games it's not a win at all cost mentality it's just a you know you should be so proud mm. Um and then fast forward to when we were in the games honestly I've never in my life been so relaxed in the tournament and okay. Jesse I couldn't I could not tell you why.
0: It was <laughs> Come on, crazy. we need the secrets. We need the secrets. Yeah.
3: But no. <laughs> it, it, honestly, it was so bizarre. Me as a person, every tournament, I'm, you know, a very anxious person. You know, I just, I put a lot of pressure on myself. I just want to play well. I obviously want to win. Don't like losing. Um, I've, at, Growing up as a junior, you know, I was kind of always, you know, number one in England, you know, winning titles. It's just, I'm just it's like even at college i
0: yeah, i get that
3: i didn't didn't um lose too many matches so it's just like a thing you know where i've mm-hmm. always just been like right i need to win need to win um mm-hmm. and then when we got to the games in Birmingham, i don't know whether it was because you know we were in the village and it yeah. was just so amazing being around everyone obviously the england team is so close like me lucy sj and allison were in a flat together just like vibe in i didn't Amazing. even feel like i was in the tournament and i ended up playing like the best squash i've played all season really <laughs> wow.
0: well well there, there's there's the definition of the flow state like a like almost like okay. yeah like an unlike an unknowing of you can't pinpoint it and that is that is you know when you read about flow and the concept it's timeless um there's no ego involved with flow it's yeah. just completely egoless there's very little maybe there's going to be in different moments thoughts about the outcome and the success but actually when you're in battle it's just all of that goes off the table, doesn't it? It sounds like yeah, you access yeah. that really well.
3: No, I 100% did. I remember coming off and being like, God, I, I saw the ball like a football during that match. Like everything just clicked and I was enjoying it. Normally I'm really like, it during the match, you know, everyone says, you know, I'll like just go on and enjoy it. And I'm always like, that's not something that I, like, of course I love squash. I love competing, but I do not associate enjoyment with like playing a PSA match, but
0: mm-hmm.
1: okay. like, I don't
3: find it enjoyable, I find it stressful. <laughs> I want to win, I want to get off that court having what won- you know what I mean. Yeah, interesting. I wouldn't, interesting. I really mm-hmm. wouldn't describe it as enjoyable, but in the Commonwealth Games, I, I it was the most enjoyable it's been kind of thing. <laughs> something
0: clicked, yeah, something clicked. Wow, and um, just like maybe a little thread I want to pull on there uh, again, there was an expectation you and Joel King in the final, right? So Joel loses in the semi final, right? um did anything go in your mind because the pressure might be have shifted a bit now going oh maybe the whole preparation was against joel but now you'll see your finals different isn't it
3: for sure so i had sj in the final uh in the semi-final sorry and um we played after joel um and holly played and i was watching the match basically because like before i went on um and like just that upset you know it was huge holly played unbelievably well and obviously Mm. she was thinking the same whoever wins out of me and sj she's gonna have a huge opportunity and i just knew that me and sj were also thinking you know whoever wins this match has a huge opportunity tomorrow um but then again my coach probably was reading my mind and text me like don't even think about that match like just focus on that because you know playing sj is was like you know such a such a battle
0: um because so, yeah. you're so close as well it's like you know it's it's how you can put that friendship slightly aside when you enter the arena I think you both do that like you both have to respect that how, how do you then mm-hmm. deal with that when you're playing almost not a bestie maybe but she is but how do you deal with that that close relationship off the court and then go into battle
3: yeah it's hard I mean yeah she is um, I have so much respect for her she's you know so gracious in defeat and when she wins she's just she is somebody who like I think you know younger people can really look up to and how to approach a squash match like when she's on the court totally. you know so competitive like she's you know friendship doesn't come into it obviously but the moment you shake the moment that last point is over she is back to being you know at, just SJ and she's it's so admirable, yeah. Mm. Um, but it's hard, but I'm I'm used to it. I kind of grew up playing with Amelia Henley from Kent. We were like Kent rivals, and she's like my best friend. So I'm I'm used to like my best friends are like my biggest rivals as well. So um it's a weird dynamic, but I think it's good. I think yep. it's like teaches you a lot, a lot of character building, you know, you have to like we were speaking it winning it all it's not a win at all cost mentality at all like Mm -hmm. there are so much bigger things in life you know friendships and relationships come way before winning
0: (laughs) and again like like lucky enough with some of the people i've spoken to and we had a little chat just um offline it's you know when 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 i've spoken to these retired athletes that have won like top medals been at the top when they meet with their friends again 10 15 years later they don't really talk about the nitty-gritty of i won this medal and i've got this they talk about the experiences the the teen trips on the bus the village the village lifestyle and you know and and i think some athletes can get pulled away from that too much in the moment they so they they want that three minutes on the podium so badly that actually there's a like a wake of destruction around them like they haven't built relationships they've been so insular Um, how do you think you're at with that do you think you get your balance is pretty good
3: yeah that is such it's so interesting I think that's honestly part of the reason why I just felt so relaxed in the Commonwealth Games because like you said my memories from the Commonwealth Games obviously winning gold is incredible but like I'm thinking back to the opening ceremony when me and Alison Waters were like running around like crazy people like you know trying to find the camera Um, and it's like those team dinners at night and just that camaraderie is so huge and I think you know PSA events these days aren't really like that it's a lot more you're kind of on your own obviously like I've got great friends on tour and stuff but just you can't compare it to that like team aspect Um,
1: Mm.
3: and yeah that like those are the memories you know when you play obviously winning is great but it's you know you don't remember the winning you remember like you know, me and Alison running up to the Bucking camera around.
0: and opening <laughs> Like two little kids, like guys chill, but yeah, that's exactly it. And I suppose that's, that's, uh, we all love squash and we, that's why we're here talking, but it is, can become a lonely individual, really kind of insular place, can't it? But then the opportunity when you get the Commonwealth Games or world team champs or stuff like that, it's a very different vibe, isn't it? And yeah, it sounds yeah. like, you know, again, we can't actually change it too much, but uh, kind of, I'm, I'm interested maybe, what does that version look like when you're on the pro tour? You might not even have an answer for it, but it's, it's like, how can you access that Gina that had complete flow in the Commonwealth Games? Because of maybe yeah. all those stories around it. And when you're in the heat bat, like the last person in the final of a big tournament when there's no one else around besides you and your rival. Yeah. It's quite interesting, isn't it?
3: It is really interesting. And that's what I found last season when I was getting to like the back end of events. It's actually quite difficult because everyone everyone's gone
1: yeah totally.
3: um and i remember speaking to amanda soby about it actually i think it was in chicago and she was like oh isn't it isn't it weird now we're in the quarterfinals and there's just like nothing to do like what do you do all day you're just kind of on your you're on your own mm. which is fine like i'm now that i'm 25 i you know i i, I don't mind it at all mm. but it's really different at the beginning of the tournament everyone's around you go you know everyone's in the hotel having dinner and then if you get to the later rounds it's like no you kind of by yourself
0: then yeah. um I used to joke yeah. De- definitely nowhere near the level like like you got to but again I, when I played my kind of tournaments <laughs> it was some of my best ever tournaments were when I got knocked out first round because I was like I was there I was vibing a guard a little bit and I'd actually you know, <laughs> exactly. when, I, when I got to a few finals and won a couple I was like actually it's a really weird kind of ghost town vibe and it's it's Honestly, that, that, it that success felt kind of empty at the end and maybe it was commonwealth I'm, games are very different because you've still got everyone around you yeah
3: you know? yeah no, but yeah, for sure. PSA, it was like, especially, I obviously wasn't on the tour, but everyone says, you know, everyone now just kind of, once they lose, they leave. Um, so, like you said, it's like getting to the back end of events, it's lonely. <laughs> it's and if you're it playing at like, t- like 10 o'clock at night, like you do yeah. in Egypt, it's a long day to just yeah, be alone.
2: It's and Mm.
3: yeah
0: <laughs> become become the master of killing time it's it's getting that back and that's where I <laughs> like podcasts and reading but we won't go down that route just yet yeah. um but just picking up on something that you said there uh, it's a question I, I just had bubbling in my mind was when you you know at a certain ranking of the PSA you know you've had this really great accelerated success and you've got right you know into into the high echelons quite quickly so what's the question I'm, I'm, I'm curious about is, is maybe how's that pressure changed due to mm-hmm. the accelerated success because you know playing with complete freedom possibly when you're ranked 170 odd and then now like really battling to get to world number one it's like right like how's that changed for you
3: massively it's 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 been such an adjustment honestly um playing like you said when you're the underdog it's you know it's so good that's why you see all these young Egyptians like really just battling and causing upsets all the time because they've got absolutely no pressure and they've got confidence in Mm. in abundance and that's what I had I was just I just wanted to prove myself to Mainly England squash to try and get myself, you know, selected with the Commonwealth Games, um, and I had comp- I had belief in my prep and my training and my physical abilities, and I knew that, you know, I had I had targets, and I knew I could kind of beat these beat some of these girls. But now that you know I got to top ten in the world, I knew that, like, I knew that people were thinking, "Oh, Gina's beatable," just like I was thinking the top hmm. girls of V4. when I was on my way up and it's I found it really hard actually like my the end of last season and I my confidence was probably the lowest it's been um since um starting on the tour even though my ranking was at its highest
0: it's a weird is, mismatch isn't it yeah yeah
3: it's, and it's ironic but it's it, like that's why I'm I'm just so impressed with a lot of these players at the top who have been at the top for so long because the pressure like everyone is just gunning for you. you've got a huge target on your back and that they don't lose ever you know they just and it's it is truly incredible because as soon as like that target started coming on my back you know that nerves the anxiety kicks in and I found it really difficult um so yeah I'd had a lot of um you know internal um like processing and reflection and um uh, yeah, like I said, I was feeling like in a really good place before the Commonwealth Games. Um, mm-hmm. It's all about, like you said, reframing and changing yeah. the mindset. <laughs> yeah,
0: that that that. Uh, there, there's a great book called um What is it like? The small little voice or something. It's all about that inner voice. And when the you know, when we
3: the chimp method, or
0: <laughs> I know, yeah, yeah. But uh, the chimp paradox is, is is obviously a great book, Steve Peters. Um, but this is from Mo Gardat, um our, our little voice. It only came out a come a, like a month ago. It's really really good and i I love i love the the kind of story of the inner voice and how we speak to society basically it's belief systems that's what he's getting at and actually different belief systems at different parts of your life when when you have success and failure how that changes your belief systems but also what i really like and i try to do a lot of this it's it's your future self how like how can your future self coach your current self how can that person that Mm -hmm. makes good decisions the person that um is you know like you see yourself in four five six years time that slightly mature how they coaching the current self and it's it's not being tethered to the the experiences so much from the past it's more about the direction you're going in in regard to your future self it's a really cool reframing thing it's it's yeah, awful interesting. stuff yeah, yeah. won't go too deep yeah. in that right now because we want to hear more from you but like again that 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 could be something that you know it sounds like you're working on it and you're going to continue to do work on it and and get that that's why i love the mind because i think we know the power of the mind now like how we how it can be such a gateway to to so many things can't it
3: yeah definitely and that's actually what i realized like before the commonwealth games um like like you said you know i train really hard and i realized i I wasn't training my mind the way i was Mm -hmm. training my body and so it's like how can i expect to perform well in these intense situations when I haven't prepared for it Mm. and you know going through this like reflection period I realized how actually not confident I was even though I was number 10 in the world or whatever like oh Gina Kennedy like huge rise like giant killer whatever I realized like my instinctive reactions to something you know like hitting a tin would be oh classic as opposed to being surprised I hit a tin because I've hit a million shots perfectly in training. Yeah, yeah. It's like when it comes to a match, I'll hit a 10 and I'd be like, yeah, of course, you know, because mm. my confidence is so low and I didn't even realize it. So it's like just going through these periods of reflection is so important to actually realize what your natural tendencies are. to mm. um, so then obviously try and reframe everything.
0: Mm. 100%. And and like a heightened self-awareness is, is, I think a continual, just on my own personal level, always kind of trying to continually... Raise my awareness of that inner voice, raise, raise the awareness of how am I speaking to myself? Because you know what? Like my worst enemy would I wouldn't speak to my worst enemy that way sometimes, you know. So why are we speaking to ourselves like that? It's just I
2: know
3: and it's crazy. crazy. And Mm. that like you said, that heightened self-awareness of what your inner voice is saying is something like I like I said, I didn't even realize what I was saying to myself. Not that I was being nasty to myself, it was just a complete lack of confidence in my ability, you Mm. know, it was just like the expectation was that I was going to play badly or something.
0: Mm. And
3: like I said, I wasn't aware of it. You know, I wasn't even aware that I lacked that much confidence.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I I I love getting into the whole, again, that's where for me, personally, mindfulness comes in, journaling comes in, gratitude comes in these practices where you can, you know, these little touch points throughout your day. And, you know, like when you're changing interactions, um again there's actually what's really cool now all of the brain science shows the different parts of the brain that work when you're doing these things whereas before it was a bit of a like an eastern philosophy because you know they've been doing it for hundreds of years but now the west has caught up because we know what it's actually training our brain and how we're rewiring ourselves and it it can give us such a superpower and that's why again fascinated by by the by the stories we tell ourselves and how we how we frame things up the whole time and yeah so yeah anyway we could go down down roots here but what 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 i'm quite interested in is to maybe go back a couple of steps um because going to harvard and you know like a really amazing experience uh, hugely successful and we might go down a few more of those threads you were talking about um but mike way i know mike is very big on the mind the mental state um a lot of people i've spoken to he's had a big influence on them um so i'd like to kind of maybe unpack with you maybe what you shared um under the guy or what you learned um under the Guidance of Mike Way.
3: Yeah, Mike Way is obviously you know he's got his reputa- reputation for a reason. He is incredible. Like I can't stress enough how passionate he is for the game and how he just exudes just love and passion for the sport. I mean, his job is so difficult. He has. 25 plus players coming down after you know studying like grinding having a really hard day Mm -hmm. every single day he has to make them like motivated to train well and to perform their best and he does it every day Mm -hmm. he's been doing this job for however long and he just has a love and an understanding of the game that just is incredible and it really inspired me um and I feel so lucky to be under his guidance, and obviously he's a phenomenal coach, but the main thing that I think he has his like talent um you know kind of like what people are born to do and he his like understanding of the mental coaching is incredible um you know he taught he ha- we actually had like a someone come in and do mental coaching with us um okay. but we came to realize pretty quickly that Mike was actually Mike's so much the man better than, yeah I was Mike is that. the man <laughs> yeah. like, like, why why, the man. why would
0: someone else come in you got Mike way there yeah
3: literally and the guy who came in was incredible of sure. course but yeah. we were like like honestly Mike like you you're so much better than than this guy he's interesting yeah so that when I was at Harvard actually um I wasn't sure that I wanted to go pro and I was a bit closed-minded and I actually didn't really buy into the mental side that much, um, which is something I regret. Definitely. Like looking back, I think I could have gained a lot more from Mike than I did just Mm -hmm. not for any other reason other than, you know, like everyone, we had a million things to think about. And at that time, you know, if we were spending an hour doing the mental side, I'd be thinking, Oh, I could be doing something else right now, you know, because squat wasn't, wasn't my priority then. Um, Mm -hmm. But Every, like everything those hours were so precious <laughs> mm. even just not even for squash just for character building in general yeah. he you know mm. it doesn't have to all stem down to like performance it just comes down to you know daily performance and daily life yeah. outside of sport yeah,
0: yeah and and along those lines and stuff i've heard him talk about and and a few other people i've spoken to recently is um try to get the athlete to become a good citizen. And, and that's like the whole, the all-rounded athlete, like, like, you know, even getting into the, the, the realm of altruism, giving back for a meaning greater than yourself and understanding how all of these things actually lead to really good performance. And, um, exactly. I, and, and Mike sounds like he does that. He really builds the whole character, the whole person. And he really understands his athletes and, and he really gets into the nitty gritty with them, doesn't he? How
1: up?
2: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
3: Yeah, that's his whole, his whole thing kind of is about like being a good person and just gratitude. You know, he would say like, in, obviously for people who haven't been to Boston or Harvard, it's like, you have to walk across the Charles River to get to the Mer Centre, which is where the squash courts are. And it is like an incredible view. It's just, so his, his idea was, you know, every day when you come after, after your classes and you cross over that bridge, just take a second to take in like where you actually are, like, and what you're doing and that gratitude then, you know, evolves and it you know, makes its way into the squash and you feel better, you're more energized for it. And um, yeah, it all stems from just outside of squash, you know, being a good person and just being thankful for what, what we have.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And there's, there's, uh, again, I love researching maybe the more sciencey side of things, but the the scientific benefits of gratitude are huge. You know, they've done loads of studies now around this, and it's not just some fluffy ethereal concept that going, oh yeah, i just pretend to be grateful. It's like, no, it actually changes our brain, our belief systems. And, yeah. you know, and and if we then always talk about performance, it's going, okay, well, winning at all costs is not the be all and end all of my life. Like let's zoom out. Let's understand exactly. uh, what we think of pressure. Let's, let's give it context here. You know, someone who's trying to survive the like get food for their family tonight or someone who yeah. doesn't have a roof over there, like that's pressure, right? So we're playing uh-huh. a sport which we love and we really want to do. So there is pressure, but like come on people let's zoom out and and I think gratitude has a big thing there
3: yeah and that was his whole thing we would do scripting like before our matches before our tournaments and he would always kind of we'd write our own thing but he would be kind of narrating and he would say like this is exactly where you want to be like pressure his like obviously everyone says it but like pressure is an absolute privilege you should be so thankful that you're on the Harvard team and that you're fighting for that national championship like this is what you would have wanted as a kid and now you know as i'm on the psa tour top 10 in the world like i want to be seated high like this is exactly. this is exactly where i want to be like don't run away from it don't fear it like be grateful for it
0: <laughs> I love it there's um another little kind of play on words along those lines it comes more from carol dweck she did growth mindset that was her yeah, yeah. Kind of thing and um She talks about the the power of the word have and get. So for example, you know, I, I have to go and do the dishes today. I have to go and train today. No, no, no. Let's change the word have to get. I yeah. get to do the dishes. I get to yeah. go train it all like, okay, I have to do the dishes, but like, that's someone's paradise. Someone would go like love to actually be in a house where they can do the dishes. Yeah.
3: Literally. That's, I know.
0: Yeah. It's quite deep. A, I know we're getting deep here. Yeah, but no, good.
3: but it's so true. Even where I've been a bit ill recently, it's like you take for granted just those basic, you know, mm. you know, just feeling healthy, just feeling well in yourself, you know, like when really. you zoom out, but the, the problem is, is that as soon as you feel healthy again, you forget. And then you go back to, oh, I have to train today, you know, yeah,
1: yeah,
3: like it's, yeah. it's, it's about Mike, like the word like catch, like you have to catch yourself and you're feeling yourself go down that spiral yeah. and get back into that, you know you know, I get to go to training exactly. today or I get exactly. to feel healthy.
0: <laughs> yeah, and that's that awareness piece again, as well, the heightened yeah. awareness. You, yeah, I don't know if you come across George Mumford. He wrote a book called The Mindful Athlete. He worked with Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, like top basketball players, and Phil Jackson at the Chicago Bulls. And he was the first to bring mindfulness into this. And he had the four A's just really quickly, which is awareness, action, assessments. I oh, no, so awareness, action. I'm getting it completely wrong here, but it's awareness and action are the first two. So you have the awareness- of something, then you know, I have to go back. It's acceptance. Acceptance is a big one. So oh, yeah. you have to have the awareness, yeah. then the acceptance, then the action. So you're aware of the thoughts and the negativity going on. You accept it, right? You go, okay, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I can't control those thoughts right now. But then you put an action in place. And I thought that's a really cool way to look at it, isn't it? Where you Definitely. kind of like awareness isn't like a soft skill. It's not like, oh, okay, I'm just aware of it. It's like awareness leads to acceptance, leads to action. And I think that's quite a powerful reframing tool as well.
3: Definitely. Yeah. And the acceptance is huge because like I said, you know, everyone knows what to say to themselves before a match, you know, like, come on, like you can do this, like believe in yourself, but you can't fake belief. Like you, like, I can't walk onto the court like last year. I couldn't walk onto the court with, you know Shabini or Gohar and believe that I could win because I didn't and you you can tell yourself like come on if you don't believe you're going to win you're going to lose before you get on walk onto the court you know but you can't you can't just tell yourself to believe in yourself and it and it happens Mm. you know you can't fake it like you Mm. have to prove you have to earn that belief somehow Mm. you know whether that be you from the training you've done or the tactics that you're going to put in Um, but it's like having that awareness of you know do I actually believe in myself in here and if you don't that's fine why not Mm. how can I how can I change that you know Mm instead that, of thinking so no, i do believe in myself you can do this you can do this like it you can't fake it <laughs> no,
0: it doesn't work and and if, if it happens and you're going to be like a, like it's going to happen one in a hundred times isn't it you know it's not going to be a sustainable tactic to fake it till you make it attitude you know i think it's been exactly proven it doesn't work. yeah yeah
3: exactly yeah.
0: so just um looking at again just that i put one or two more questions on harvard um which i think is quite interesting yeah you know how you got the balance right between getting a Harvard degree which is phenomenal and playing squash as much as you did how did you work on that balance because I know quite a few people who listen to these podcasts are teenagers maybe wanting to go to these colleges um what's your thoughts on that
2: yes
3: I had quite a unique experience actually I didn't think I was going to go pro or no I didn't think I was I just didn't put all my eggs in one basket I I think growing up, I, you know, had always associated myself as an athlete and that was my only path. And I think everyone thought that's what I should do. You know, you should you've got potential and it kind of pushed me away from it. And I was like, no, I want to kind of find I've got other things that I might be good at. You know, I want to explore other options. So I kind of went into, a you know, no, I'm not going to play squash. I'm not going to okay. do it. That doesn't mean I didn't absolutely love it. I was like I've always trained crazy hard at Harvard the facilities are incredible we had training six times a week I was training with Sabrina Sobe, um Kaylee Leonard you know like so mm. many top players so my training was sorted without me even having to try mm-hmm. which is lucky because if I had to like create it for myself at that point I don't think I would have yeah. um and then I decided in my junior year so I had two more years that I wanted to go pro um and that's when I started taking it a bit more seriously in terms of you know I'd maybe train twice a day sometimes but I would still kind of prioritize my academics Mm. but I went I wanted to go to university I wanted to get a degree I wanted the social life that was my priority and I thought you know I've got all my life to play on the PSA World Tour if I want to which is why I didn't play any tournaments which is Mm -hmm. why you know my ranking was so low when I came out and yeah I don't regret that for a second because you know like what we're talking about with mindset and everything i'm just such a different person than what i was before i went to mm-hmm. uni and the character that i am now i i i just don't think i would have even if i was training more or whatever when i was at college mm-hmm. i just don't think my mindset would have been the same and i just don't think i would have been able to kind of climb the rankings so quickly or take yeah. out any scouts so um, yeah
0: that's that's a very curious little thread i want to pull on there the idea of when you in your junior year going right i'm going pro now and you took it a bit more seriously um did anything change there because obviously it sounds like you you had a a clear direction there was probably a lot of fun you're motivated by different factors right and then when you're like okay i'm actually gonna take this more seriously did you ever get to the point where it became a, a too serious endeavor where the endeavor was like you know you you'd lost the kind of the initial aspects and you got it wrong, there's a misbalance. Like did that ever happen or not? Did you get it okay, you think?
3: Yeah, so I think because I didn't play tournaments or anything, I I wanted to be a university student. I wanted to enjoy my last two years at Harvard and then focus on squash. So I would kind of tick all my boxes, like do academics, do all the social stuff that I wanted to do and then train around that as Mm. opposed to having squash as my priority um which like yeah I I think it's I just learned so much about myself and I look back and I don't have any anything I regret like I don't think oh I wish I went to you know that party or I wish I uh did I just kind of ticked every box I kind of got all that stuff out of my system or whatever not that I was like a crazy party nothing (laughs) like nothing like that but I just I think yeah and I, just because the nature of my personality as well I kind of do everything I want to kind of be perfect at everything so when I was training I was you know taking it seriously yes, I, love <laughs> um, that. I wasn't great. just going through the motions but yeah and then okay. when I grad- yeah when I graduated that was a different story you know everything then was about squash
0: (laughs) Sure, sure. okay Well, do you want to just talk about that for a sec because that could be quite interesting how that transition again might have changed and and gone through that what 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 thoughts happened when you graduated yeah
3: the transition was huge you know like every I started taking everything so seriously to the point of you know my diet was like on point my Mm -hmm. sleep was on point you know I was looking watching more squash watching my opponents, writing things down texting my coach like nice. just everything was about squash at this point and that had never been the case before mm-hmm. um so yeah there was a lot of obviously improvement <laughs> to and um,
0: you mentioned a, a word that i just picked up on there which which again uh, you know, i've written about and talk a lot about it. you said the word perfect and then the idea of perfectionism comes in and how that can be a a super strength and a weakness at the same time so how do you how do you navigate that that field of perfectionism if you think you're in that that type of character
3: it's hard I think um I I think it's hard when I've all like I, I don't this I don't want to sound like arrogant or whatever but when you've excelled at something for so long like I said when I was growing up I was kind of always the number one I was always you know winning titles I was all you know my grades were kind of decent um so keeping up that (laughs) reputation is difficult um
0: it sounds quite draining it sounds like a lot of like mental energy to put in every single moment
3: beyond beyond draining and even at Harvard like I, just, I don't know it, it got to the point where like losing wasn't an option you know like I hadn't experienced it I didn't really know what it felt like um, I was always the one expected to win mm-hmm. and I'd somehow you know still man. most of the time managed to do it but just the just the anxiety and everything that came with it is just like not enjoyable and even now I still still struggle with that a bit but it's like I said, you know, changing that mindset into, I'm so lucky that I get to do what I do for a living because I genuinely love it. You know, like yeah. I love my day-to-day life. I love competing. I love traveling, um, but it's easy to get sucked into, you know, that perfectionism.
0: It is, And, and again, <laughs> obviously you're, you're, you're competing in the sport to be the best in the world. We put that, you put that on the table. Of course you are. Yeah. And, and then, you know, this is again, a lot of conversations I've had in the last few months about, right, that's on the table, but then, how do how do we make sure that 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 doesn't get in the way of high performance? That doesn't get in the way of of trying to achieve mastery, trying to hone my craft to the best of my ability. So then, when I get on court, actually, there's there's less baggage on me. I've, I'm I can I can feel what I want to try and do, and actually, if the result is good or bad, I'm still it's still successful. I still see success in a different light and a different lens. It sounds like you're you're balancing or trying to find that balance point at the moment.
3: Definitely, yeah, definitely trying to find it. Um, you know, squash is I still don't understand why some days I'll be hitting the ball like a dream and then the next day I'm just everything's going wrong. Like, I still don't understand but like you said it is about finding, you know, positives in everything because you can't be perfect. <laughs> you know, yeah. like bad stuff's going to going to happen. Um, thing I
0: think I think perfectionism is is quite a flawed or being perfect is a flawed term because as soon as you're perfect you kind of you at the end point it's done it's like you never have to do exactly.
2: that
0: but actually can you be a perfectionist in your which sounds like you are like in your processes in in your controllables and then actually understand actually if i can use a perfectionist mindset in that region and be okay with it and not burn myself out actually, whatever comes out the other side is going to be what it's going to be. And I've got to be okay and accepting of that. Okay. How can we learn from that outcome? But then we could bring it back to the perfectionist mindset within the process. that That's the little thing I try, you know, talk about. Definitely. With- so think, Definitely.
3: You- and yeah. And it's about having short memory, isn't it? I mean, the, like, like I said, with, you know, growing up and then going to Harvard and I just wasn't really used to like that feeling of, you know, the disappointment when you don't perform well and you, know, you don't win. Mm. And that was something I struggled with. You know, I'd be thinking of, of a match for a week after it would be still playing on my mind. And it's just not productive. Like you need to be able to obviously reflect on the loss and why you lost, but you can't have that dwelling ruin the next week of your life just because you're dwelling on something that you can't control anymore you know mm. like you have to have a short-term memory
0: mm, um, i love that. Yeah. That, that yeah that i think that i heard that in brad gilbert's book i think winning ugly he talks about developing a short-term memory so you said it perfectly as i i started yeah. being a bit silly with it i'm saying hey, come on kids like get a goldfish memory that's what we want from you today yeah. like you no, know exactly what, yeah it's kind of yeah. i need,
3: and I'm, I'm still learning how to get that because like i said i put a lot of I don't like not performing well. Like it's not the winning or lo- it's not, if that's not so much. It's just like, you know, you want to perform how, you know, you can. And when I don't do that, I like, I really just get angry at myself.
0: <laughs> There's something um a little bit connected there, but the, 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 the acceptance piece, uh, I personally love stoic and stoic wisdom and philosophy and read, read most of it every day, but they've got a phrase called amor fati, which means a, a love of one's fate. And what they mean is, is, it's kind of, yeah, you love your fate. You love this moment. And, and actually they believe that good, bad, suffering, loss, pain, it's, it's necessary. It's a necessary thing we need in our life because it gives us a bit of like a, a psychological immune system. It builds up our psychology in, in regards to go, yeah, I can handle difficult things and I can get through difficult things. I've got through it. And you know what, I've got a bit more of an armor plating to get through the next thing. And the next thing might be harder or not harder, but, and actually leaning in, I know it it gets quite dark, This, but you're actually leaning into, you're not going and looking for failure. You're not going and looking for, you know, difficult things, but when something reaches your door, that it it always will, how you can go, you know what, bring this on people, because Mm -hmm. I'm going to get through this and I'm going to get through it. And at the other side, I'm going to be a different person. I quite like exactly. that. I'm a am fatty way of thinking.
3: Yeah, no, I like that. And it's like, how are you supposed to know how good winning feels until you know how bad losing feels? You know, <laughs> it's like, you need to have those comparisons. Otherwise you're not going to have you're not going to understand the emotions
0: 100 um so listen I, I actually coach a few girls that are huge fans of yours um girls and guys but a couple of girls in particular that were at the commonwealth games and they met you and they were super excited i was going to talk to you today so there's oh, a couple so of well. questions they've sent me in a couple of questions to ask you so okay, cool. um, i'm gonna i'm gonna ask you then we will go down a bit of a rabbit hole but i think this is a cool time to go with this so um what one of the first questions is how do you get into and try and maintain the flow state when your mind may be playing tricks on you so we've already maybe touched on this a little bit, but mm-hmm. what's your version of of you intending to play the best you can you are intending to get into the flow state, but your mind starts playing tricks? Have you got any tools or tips on that
3: yeah um it's obviously hard, and that 's something I think that you know all athletes all the time are trying to improve on and adapt like you said some days you'll be in a flow state and it's like you said you can't really put your finger on why um but obviously a lot of the time you'll see it in PSA matches people have like triggers for when things start spiraling out of control and Mike Way was big on big on having something that you can use to kind of reset your brain into getting back into that flow state so say if you you've hit three tins in a row um instead of just thinking, oh, classic, like bad tin, then, you know, have a, have something that you do with that, be you know, tie your laces, wipe your hands, do something that can kind of get you back into that zone short-term memory memory of a goldfish get on to the next point kind of thing <laughs>
0: Nice, nice. and yeah flow is it's, it's a topic i love talking about you know really get into it and you know it, it's one of those things if you think you're in the flow state during a match you actually you're past the flow state you actually your flow state was before
3: exactly and, and that's actually
0: an interesting thing as well because you go oh look at me i'm playing so well i'm in flow but you're not yes. you're actually past it. <laughs> yes
3: you know what that has happened to me it has happened to me and i was playing Hania and the british open i think it was i lost the first game and i think i went five one up in the second game and i I remember and i came off the court i said it to my mum. i rang my coach ben and told him i went five one up and i thought bloody hell this is the best (laughs) posh i've ever played like literally i was hit and as soon as that thought crossed my mind god that's it that's get gone, I know. and I remember it so well. I was like, bloody hell! I was in that flow state, and then I realized I was, and then it was done. And yeah, saw, that was like the first time it's ever happened to me in a match. I was literally like, wow, I'm playing so well. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> and it is. It's well. It's it's it's, it's post flow state. You're looking at it through the rear view mirror, whereas what I'm hearing from the Commonwealth Games, you ne- maybe didn't even think about that. It was the thoughtless, exactly. egoless state, which is which yeah, is yeah. What, what we're all trying to achieve, isn't it? And uh, yeah. I think there's lots of methods you can put in prior to that, but actually, when you when you hit that Point, you know, it, it's about how you can just trust that you can stay there. But what I was trying to get at is you said some really cool things about when you're having the negative spirals, but I actually think there's also a conversation around when you have the positive spirals. I know it sounds yeah. weird when you think you're in flow state, how you can actually reset yourself to try and get back into that state. And yeah, you've almost.
1: Magic. Yeah
3: and that's what I realized I think me thinking oh my god I'm playing so well it stemmed from my like lack of confidence in my ability to play well in these situations you know like last 16 in the British open instead of knowing like that's how I play in training all the time why was I so surprised you know so mm-hmm. it's about getting those triggers to be like no like this is this is how you play you know don't be surprised this is just you
0: (laughs) exactly cool great lovely lovely answer that um right one of the other questions is how do you deal with nerves before matches
3: yeah that's a good question something that i i struggle with nerves a lot um not in not in necessary like a detrimental way because i don't think i've ever obviously a few times but most of the time i'm able to still play well with nerves but i like to distract my distract myself as much as possible um until um you know a couple hours before the match um Mm -hmm. evening matches i prefer because i can kind of get up have a little hit you know think about stuff then and then you have the day to kind of take your mind off stuff relax a little bit um The morning matches seem a bit rushed. You know, if you've got a match at 12, it just seems a bit like, ah, a bit stressful. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I think just, you know, everyone's different. Um, But for me, you know, I like... I like to be around people for a bit and then before a couple hours before the match, I really like to be alone. Um, Mm -hmm. It just kind of chills me out a bit, makes me a bit anxious when I'm like having to, you know, be like really sociable all the time. So I just think, you know, I like to be, have a quiet place, like just, Mm -hmm. you know, do random stuff, watch Netflix, take my mind off it. And then a couple couple hours before the match is when I'll get into like game mode. Um,
0: And and then I'll start like ringing. What does game mode look like for you then? What's, what's your process around that?
3: Yeah, so I'll write like a script, which is, you know, stemmed from Mike Way. Um, he's built that habit into me, uh, which will involve, you know, like positive affirmations, tactics, blah, blah, blah. I'll always ring my face on my coach, Ben, um, and we'll go through the game plan, go through how I'm feeling. Um, and then I'll like get my kit on, um, get to the club at least an hour before, um, chill for a bit at the club and then commence my warm-up about 30 minutes before.
0: Nice. Nice. Awesome. Good, great, great tactics. And I'm sure the girls listening would love to hear that. And then final question <laughs> for one of the girls, and then I, I might have a last couple after that, because you've been really kind with your time so far. And I don't want to abuse it too much. Um, yeah. But fit, fitness plays a, a, obviously a huge part in your life and, and your game. And, and very obvious when you, when you, when you see your awesome athleticism on the court. So how do you go about in getting the right, into the right frame of mind to train like you do, because you're obviously mm-hmm. putting in some serious reps. I'm more uh, interested in that, that kind of the, 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 the mindset route to get there
3: yeah um it's an interesting one because I like I, I love the fitness side of it and I kind of I basically compete against myself to be like as fit as possible so say if I'm like doing a bleep test or something like I will need to prove to myself like all the time that I'm still kind of as fit slash getting fitter than I was and it is a, it is a bit of a crazy mindset like I I admit that. Um, it's not easy, but like my motivation comes from kind of competing with myself and trying to like set myself a target and kind of make sure I beat. It.
0: Nice. <laughs> uh, I like that. I like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And
3: now it's got to the point. I think when you do something so much, you know, it, it becomes hard not to do it. Mm-hmm. So obviously if I'm like feeling tired or injured I don't push I don't push myself to the point of like getting injured but if I'm you know feeling good and have my week planned it would be weird for me to not like do these hard fitness sessions because Mm -hmm. I enjoyed testing myself and making sure that I'm still like hitting those targets.
0: (laughs) Nice yeah and again it maybe links into running your own race it's like hey this is this is me this these are my mini goals i've got all these mini goals in front of me let's let's go and get them and that for me feels like it gives you motivation and drive doesn't it
3: definitely yeah and like obviously my goals are to be you know top in the world at squash but there are so many facets that you have to improve to get that and one of those is like fitness and um you know your vo2 max and your mobility and whatever so i like like competing with myself Mm, (laughs) in those metrics You know, <laughs> and,
0: and, and, and often I think just a little side note about maybe goals and goal setting, but I think it's linked to this conversation is, you know, if, if you're overwhelmed by the size of the problem or the size of the goal, you've got to break it down into its pixels. What are the smallest components you, I love asking the question, how you've got to ask the question, how five, six, seven times. Okay. I want to be, yeah. more than one. okay, how do I do it? Okay. I've got to win more matches. How do I win more yeah. matches? Right. Exactly. I've got to, I've got to be fit my opponent. how, how do? and you, you go down and down and down. Exactly. I think when you ask that question, how so many times you give yourself these little micro little pieces that you have 100% control over because the big yeah. goal doesn't really matter anymore. But it's like, right, can I deliver on these things every day for the next seven, eight months? That for me gets quite exactly. interesting at that point, yeah. Do you yeah, do that? Do, are you, are you, do you kind of goal set and, and do you go into the granular detail?
3: Yeah, yeah, I do goal set. Um, my coach and I do it together as well, which is really helpful um, to have someone like to talk talk that stuff through with. But yeah, like you said, if you can you know do those micro things on that on that small level then that's what at the end of the day like you need confidence when you're playing these matches that you can come through them and how do you get that confidence you get it through what you're doing on a day to day so if you know that you can get through this brutal session or whatever then you know that okay i'm feeling a bit tired but you know i'm confident that I'm, you know, I'm. They're more tired, or whatever it is. Yes, yeah, <laughs> totally
0: love it, and yeah, Liz, I, 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 the confidence and self belief piece is quite an interesting one because you we mentioned that The fake it till you make it doesn't really work, and then you again ask the question, how do we get it? Where do we get it from? And yeah, I think we've covered that topic really nicely. That it actually reverses all the way down into your daily habits and behaviours. You know, even exactly. if they're not producing the thing you want on that day, how can you look? understand the compounding effect of those habits and behaviors again this goes into the future self a little bit coaching your current self that future self would be telling your current self trust me dude like you know you stack those things together that exactly. curve is going to go really quick isn't it yeah exactly
3: yeah and that is the main thing like that that's what's going to win you matches you know do you have that, com- that confidence and that belief in yourself and in your ability and in your training mm.
2: you know
3: and you can't no. fake it. Like, if you don't, it will come, it will it'll it'll shine through in the match. It
0: exactly. <laughs> it will. It will it, yeah, it might get you through half a season at some point, but it's, it ain't gonna yeah. last, is it? So, um, exactly. and, 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 and this little subject might be linked very slightly. Um, consistency it, it's a huge topic, it's what we're all striving for. You know, we talk about it, I try to teach it how do you think you strive for consistency in your performances, no matter how high the stakes may be? Any thoughts on that? You might not have really an answer, but just I'm curious about the consistency piece.
3: Yeah. Um, obviously that's, you know, the main thing, that's why it's it's so impressive with the people who have been at the top of the rankings for so long, because the consistency that you have to have to perform at that high level day in day out all the time, is just, it's incredible. Um, so yeah consistency is a huge thing and I'm still trying you know some days I'm 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 good some days I'm not and I don't really understand why um so yeah like you said I don't really have an answer into how (laughs) yeah how to get that I'm still striving striving Mm. for it but like I think it just all does just come down to you know belief like Mm. I can do it and I know I can do it in training I'm consistent in training I'm ticking all the boxes that I can do it's just getting doing that in matches and being consistently good in matches it's a different a different ball game isn't it It
0: (laughs) and that's that's like that 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 awesome, never ending battle that, that, you know, and battles may be the wrong word because maybe you don't have to fight against it, but it's that, again, I, I love thinking about the mastery mindset, honing the craft and going I'm on this this journey and it might be a lifelong journey, but boy, I'm going to enjoy that process exactly. of out along the way. Exactly. That, <laughs> and that can also take some pressure off as well. In a way, I think when you get, yeah. that, it goes, okay, I want to be consistent, but I'm not going to kind of hold myself so tightly to it that I can't play because I'm, I'm mastering, I'm trying to, you know, I'm going to learn from their wins. I'm going to learn from the losses and we we keep going from there.
3: Exactly. Yeah. And that's what you want. Like it's exciting to have stuff to work on, isn't it? You don't want to be like you said, the perp, like, what do you do every day if you're if you've mastered it?
0: Yeah. It's, like, it's kind of boring, isn't it? Um, so but I think I think a really nice place to maybe start to bring this awesome conversation to a close because I literally have just loved this so much, it's been so cool. Um, you've mentioned Ben Ford a lot, and uh, again, I know Ben really well from my playing days. We, we actually shared rooms together at some point, so oh, yeah, we had a kind of an interesting little rivalry and, and got a lot of time for what he does. And so, you know, he's been a huge influence on your life. You know, you, you've been in his stable for, for many years. Could you please share some of you know like why why this relationship is so special and and you know how it's kind of been formed and continue to form with him
3: yeah definitely um yeah I don't you know hide my gratitude for Ben like any opportunity any opportunity I get I want to like scream from the rooftops how huge he has been in my success I genuinely can sit here and say you know, obviously it stems down to the athlete Like I, you know, have to put in the work. I'm the one playing, but I genuinely couldn't have done anything in my career without him. The The amount of time he invests in me and is incredible. And like what he the sacrifice he's made for me is just I can't even explain. Um, mm. But I think it works. He, i, I I don't know, like obviously he's my coach, but him and I have like a really tight relationship. You know, it's kind of, he's kinda of like a family to me at this point, And I just trust him so much. Um, like I know that he's got the best interests at heart. And even even when I had a I went on a gap year um just to get into Harvard, and this is a good example. Um, I was like playing squash for a year, like um mm-hmm i wasn't i wasn't actually taking it that seriously i didn't really want to do it at all and he had my like psa login stuff okay. and i remember he entered me for a tournament in america even though like i really did not want to go i really didn't want to do it <laughs> i wasn't bothered and i i remember at the time being like upset that he'd entered me like he'd, he'd spoken to me about it and i just i felt pressure like i couldn't kind of pull out sure. i kind of had to go mm-hmm. um but i know that he was he even though I was a bit like annoyed that he'd kind of done that and Mm. taken that decision for me like he had done that purely because he knew that I needed to go and play matches and prove he knew that I wasn't that interested in squash and he wanted me to see like how good i could be kind of thing and and, um, and
0: i'm sure he knew you at a deeper level like you know he'd built that relationship up with you that he knew <laughs> that you probably were going to be upset with it but he took that punt and exactly like like he he has the foresight and the relationship and the knowledge to be able to do that
3: exactly yeah and i you know i can I just everything he i just trust everything he does you know i'll i'll be entering tournaments now and he'll be like no like don't do that and i'm like no like this is a good opportunity for me and he's like you know i just trust his opinion more than i trust my own kind of thing and yeah he's he's yeah it is a special relationship i just i can't thank him enough and he's built up so many good players you know it's not just me who he's produced out of the woodworks he's produced so many top players so many england number ones and he's just he's clearly got you know um, he's doing something right.
0: (laughs) And that's, um, like, like some interesting advice maybe for juniors or even parents. And I've heard this from many other athletes outside of, of, um, squash, you know, I I often ask people for like, you know, the best advice for some athletes in that. And what I hear very often is, is invest in the time and effort to find the right person for you, you know, and then build on that relationship. Don't kind of, you know, a lot of people are very quick at flicking between coaches and maybe it's very common in America. I know that's like, if the coach isn't giving me the results in three months, I'm I'm off to see someone else. And for me, what the, the story you've just said, which I think is really, really well said and really important for me to maybe tag it is that idea of the building of relationships is arguably the biggest thing. Like, you know, Ben knows what he's doing about squash. Of course he does. He's a great technical coach, but you haven't even mentioned that. You've actually mentioned even more about the relationship, which I think is an unbelievable, unbelievable message. Yeah. About building on that, don't don't you think is that is that kind of um, some advice you would you know give other youngsters listening to this?
3: Hundred percent. Like I just I feel so lucky to have you know a relationship with my coach that I do have because you know I I mean I can't speak for anyone else but I know that like what we have is special and obviously like I can't even believe I forgot to mention how you know how good technically he is. <laughs> no, but that's that's, um, that's
0: I know it's kind of bizarre. I know how good he is as a player, but yeah like I think you picked up like your natural instinct was was that relationship side and honestly I don't know about Eugene but I think that's so important yes the technical side is hugely important but the relationship side is is is. arguably even more important
3: I agree because obviously as a squash player it's 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 tough you know like training day in day out going away but I you know part of the reason why I love going to see Ben obviously I'm gonna get amazing coaching and i'm going to improve but i just love like ha- seeing him and catching up with him and you nice. know and that that's what makes part of my job so good like i get to be around people who you know are like family to me all the time and when you know there's a picture of him and I, like him being at the commonwealth games was so special mm-hmm. um and there's a picture of like him and i hugging and i actually texted him earlier this week being like my goal this season is to have more moments like this because just obviously i want to win for myself but i genuinely like i want he deserves the credit just as much as i do and i know how important it is for him and just being able to share those moments of you- we've both worked so hard for something it, it, you know it makes everything so special and it stems from the relationship that we have <laughs>
0: oh, you know beautifully said as well, really really well said I'm, <laughs> I'm glad we had that little bit of a conversation and just my final little point on that uh, you know, very often, and you might know this obviously with Ben, but, and, and I've heard this from lots of athletes, when they reflect back at their, their best times with their coaches, they don't remember the drills and the techniques, really, they taught them, they remember the the, the changing room conversations, the conversations in the bar, the kind of, the, the, the relationship that got built, and you've got a coach like John Wooden and Phil Jackson and Jurgen Klopp, and the players just say, like, we just, we just like his family. It's just like, they get us, yeah. you know, and, and it sounds like you've got a beautiful relationship there. So long may it last, yeah. and I'm sure it will. And it's, it's only going to lead to that, that success. I think you, you, you and Ben know you can get to. Um, and like yeah. I said, Defining success is a whole interesting topic which you won't open door <laughs> again. <laughs> um, listen, Gina Kennedy, you've been absolutely treat. I've genuinely been delighted talking to you today. Um, thank you so much for coming on. And uh, listen, we're going to be watching closely, hopefully with no pressure, but um, see how you're going to do over the next few years. And thank you very much.
3: Oh, well, thank you, Jesse. I've really enjoyed it. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much.
1: Hold up?